my name is Smita Asrani, and I am VP of Partnerships at Tiwi Life Sciences. Femtech to me is making women's health comfortable, accessible, and sexy. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast brought to you by Fem Health Insights, the leaders in women's health, market research, and consulting. In this show, we have meaningful and provocative conversations with Fem Health experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and in today's episode, I interview Samita Asrani, VP of Partnerships at UE Life Sciences. Samita lost her sister at age 44 to late-stage triple-negative breast cancer. Since then, she has made it her life's mission to ensure women understand the importance of early detection and how it relates to increased chances of survival. UE Life Sciences is a femtech company that creates screening devices for early detection of women's cancers. They've created the eye breast exam and the selfie, both portable radiation-free devices that use sensors to detect small lumps through changes in skin elasticity. I actually held one of these devices at the Med Femtech Congress in Paris this past May. It's a really cool handheld device with a smooth patch that gently glides against the skin of the breast. It is definitely the future of breast exams. I much rather have my physician be using this device versus their cold hands pressing on my chest. So I cannot wait until this is used in every clinic around the world. Globally, with the assistance of Pfizer, Semen, and in the near future, Roche, they provide proactive breast screenings in 13 countries through hospital clinics in rural, underserved, and underprivileged areas. In this interview, we discuss how UE Life Science devices are making early detection of breast cancer easier, how we can make breast care something that women are excited about, and the One Balloon, One Life campaign to provide breast and cervical cancer screenings to women. This is a great opportunity to show your support for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Learn more about UE Life Sciences at www.uelifesciences.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Samita, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. Where are you calling me from today? I am in Florida. Florida. I was just there for the Grace Hopper conference in Orlando. Oh, you know, I was going to go to that, but then I had a trip to Italy, so... (laughs) Italy, Orlando. I, um, I forgot my sweatshirt and asked, uh, the stewardess on the, on the airplane. I said, can you like make it less cold? She goes, why didn't you buy a sweatshirt? I said, I didn't want to pay $50 for a sweatshirt that says Orlando love y'all, but I didn't want a sweatshirt, $50. But Orlando gets chilly though. (laughs) Well, you know, I lived in Houston and AC is strong in the South. The AC is real strong. So, well, that's so cool to um, learn more about like where you're based. In fact, let's dive into a little bit more about your personal background. Obviously, we want to hear about the product and the company, but we always like our listeners to learn a little bit more about our guests first. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I actually um, recently moved to Florida seven years ago from New York. I grew up partially in, I'm originally Indian. And I grew up in India for 10 years, then moved to New York and finally ended up here. Um, I am in this company because uh, my sister passed away from breast cancer 
four years ago, and that was late stage breast cancer. So it what it's what propelled me to actually start working in the breast cancer space. So um, ironically, I started out in finance. My career was in finance and then retail management. And then, of course, after this, it shifted drastically into uh, I started working for a nonprofit um, for Nancy Brinker's Promise Fund of Florida, which was a wonderful experience. And that led me to uh, UV Life Sciences. Amazing. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear about your story, but you know, oftentimes in femtech, most of our founders are patient advocates. Either they themselves had something or in, and not just the founder, but the whole team. Oftentimes it's all full teams of, um, patient advocates or people who have been touched by diseases or conditions and know that the current standard of care is just unacceptable. Um, tell us what is UE Life Sciences? So UE Life Sciences is a femtech company. Um, we have, our goal is to reach the masses for early detection. And we started out in 2009, our uh, CEO, Mir Shah, his mother-in-law was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that's when he saw that there's a huge survival gap between uh, the United States and developing countries at that time. You know, she was in India. And so he started thinking, why is there such a big gap in these uh, survival rates? What's happening here? So something wasn't making sense. So he started delving into it further. And he realized it has a lot to do with the time of diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So the um, developing countries, they were getting, the women were getting diagnosed later because they didn't have access to mammos, uh, radiologists. And even if they had access to both of those, uh, they still didn't go for exams until they saw symptoms. So they just, you know, so there's a, there's a lack of education and awareness piece there as well. And he said, wow, there's a huge gap here. And that's when iBreast exam was born and it's, you know, a tool for early detection um, and enhances the clinical breast exam. And we'll get into that more, I'm sure, but that's really where he realized that we, we need a device. We need some sort of an intervention and a disruption here to ensure that these women get the care they need mm. for early detection in particular. Well, I would love for us actually, because this is so um, specifically about early detection, let's define for our listeners what we mean by early detection versus late detection, or they waited till they got symptoms. And then there's these thing called stages of cancer. Can you walk us through what are the four stages of cancer and what is the survival risk if you catch it at, let's say, stage one versus stage four? So if you catch cancer at in early stage, your chances of survival shoot up into the 90s versus late stage breast cancer, which I, I mean, it's probably in the, tw I mean, 20s, mid 20s. Mm -hmm. So just that number itself is, I mean, is so impactful for a woman to be able to realize that, my goodness, if I catch this at stage zero, stage one, I could actually survive. Mm -hmm. So just to give you an example, my, my sister's cancer was diagnosed at stage four. She had triple negative and she, she was around for six months wow. and she passed away. So if she had found that same cancer earlier, she would be here today. Mm -hmm. I mean, chances, if we're talking the nineties, then for me, that's almost 100%, you know? Um, so 
the key here, I guess, is for a woman to understand her breasts Mm -hmm. and to know when there's a difference because we're, for example, I'm not a medical professional. So if I check my breasts every single month, then from month to month, if there's a difference, I'll know. That's all we want women to do, just to be aware of their bodies. Yeah. So that if they find something, they can go to their medical professional and say, hey, you know, so we were doing this in reverse kind of, but even though they're laymen or they're not necessarily from a medical background, they can at least understand their bodies and take it to a medical professional. And women are known to do this. We know when we smell a little different or, you know, our period is a little off or we're feeling a little, you know, our migraine just hits a little different. We're very intuitive with our bodies. And so giving us the ability to assess our breasts, we're actually quite able usually to tell when there's a slight difference. And um, just talking uh, briefly for our listeners about stage one versus stage four, stage one of cancer means that the cancer is very small and it's only in one area. And so it's very localized. And that's why there's such a high chance of being cured or at least put into remission because you can handle that one little pocket of cells, whereas stage two and three means that cancer is larger. It's grown to nearby tissues or lymph nodes. And then stage four, which is what you said your sister was diagnosed at at that point, it's called metastasized. So that means that the cells have mutated to the point that even though they are technically breast cancer cells, they're mutated to the point that they can survive the bloodstream, which is not normal for cells, listeners. Like cells should not be able to live in your bloodstream and travel to other parts of your body. You have to be a very mutant cell to do that. And the fact that not only can it do that, but stage four means that it can land in another part of your body and start to grow cancer there as well. So um, that's why stage four is so hard because you have cancer cells already floating through your blood, landing in different parts of your body. And that's why, you know, when you see, you know, TV shows or something, when they're like, oh, it's metastasized into their brain or their lungs or whatever, that's what that means. And so I love that UE Life Sciences is really trying to harness the power of the woman's intuition self-examination, getting her to know herself. Tell us more about the actual product. What what did he build? What did he, you know, cr- uh, think about? And then your team created. So there are three devices that we have, mm. two for breast cancer and one for cervical cancer. Okay. So the two for breast cancer, the first one is called eye breast exam. And the eye breast exam, I actually have it here, is a handheld device. Okay, it's painless, it's radiation-free, and it works uh, with a sensor pad technology. So this sensor is removable, just like a razor blade model. So it's a removable uh, sensor pad, and this sensor pad can accommodate from anywhere from 100 to 500 scans. Wow. And, I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's mind-boggling. So this can really assist a physician or a technician with their clinical breast exam. And if they find a lump with their fingers, they can simply place this on the the tissue and just confirm the lump. And that particular uh, finding will be um, showcased on their cell phone as a red dot. And it will create a report. So from month to month, the patient and the physician, now they have a report to go by. Whereas In your normal clinical breast exam, as you know, when we go to our physician, we do not have a report, Mm -mm. right? So now you have an actual written report that you can go by 
and look at the different changes. So for our listeners who are listening, what you just held up looked like a little mini like hand like steamer, like something that you would like steam your clothes with almost like um, so small and so cute, by the way, with a little pad on it that you would kind of like um, roll down the skin, essentially like um, uh, smoothly, like just kind of rubs down. Um, Is this something that women can use at home or is it always going to be used in the clinic? So this particular device that I showed you, the eye breast exam, is a clinic. It's it's uh, supposed to be in a clinical setting. Okay. However, we have something called the selfie, which is simply adorable. If you thought that was cute, look at this. Oh my gosh. So this it's is what product design should be, right? Like mammograms are like these big hideous plates of squishing your breast. These are like, they're almost like I mean, you're taking cues maybe even from cos- uh, cosmetics. Um, it almost looks like a little face pad that you you would use. It sure does. It definitely does. And this is, again, you know, these products uh, are ju- are designed to enhance the clinical breast exam and the self-exam. Okay. So we are friends to the MAMO. The MAMO yeah. remains the gold standard. We want to propel women to get their MAMO. We're pro-MAMO we here. To- pro-MAMO. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All, all pro-MAMO. So, and and... The selfie is designed for at-home use. Oh. It has the same exact technology as the eye breast exam. This pad comes off, accommodates 12 exams, 12 scans, rather, uh, for the woman. So once she's finished with her 12 uh, self-touches, uh-huh. then she can go out and replenish the pad. How often should a woman do be doing a self-exam? So 12 times, how long would that last her? So that's once a month. So one year, essentially once a month. Once a month. That would last one year. Correct. So cool. And so- You can do it more than that, but we don't encourage. We we just want you to be aware of your- That's right. um, Breasts. So we just encourage once a month. And um, again, same technology as the eye breast exam, just adorable design. Um, I mean, I could see that being on my dresser, right? And it not being something that seems medical or scary or, you know, it seems like, oh, this is just part of my self-care toolkit next to my blush kind of thing. Um, That's what we're going for. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. We want to be able to change the way women look at health. Mm -hmm. It can't be boring anymore. It has to be fun. It has to be exciting. It has to be cute. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I would say that it doesn't necessarily have to be cute, but it also shouldn't be scary, you know? And like, (laughs) so it can be sexy, it can be boring, but like, I think we can get rid of the like tenaculums of the world that it literally looks scared. Like these look like torture devices. Let's like, I think the bar (laughs) is like, just don't look like a torture device. You know, the fact that you have made it cute and adorable and something I'd like to show off, you know, is amazing. (laughs) You know, honestly, Brittany, I think that it's important because women of all ages want different things. Like for example, Mm. if a girl in her, who's 25, say, who's not even age eligible for a mammo for insurance to cover, right? She wants to do this, say. She's going to love the fact that this is cute and pink. In my 20s, I, right? Otherwise, I mean, in my 20s, I remember I didn't even look at my health, my breast health. I didn't even care. All I did was shop for pretty bras and wanted my breasts to look nice. Mm -hmm. And that's great. But what's inside? We have to educate women at an earlier age to understand that that's what matters in order for them to look pretty outside. 
Have you done any research showing women are more likely to do their self-exam using this tool versus just their hands? So um, we do know that we did do a study where um, eye breast exam was welcomed. So it was in a more rural area, Mm -hmm. uh, but women were less intimidated and were willing to actually do the exam. And so our hope is not only will that continue to be the case, but women will actually go further and get their actual mammo because Mm -hmm. they felt less intimidated due to this device. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would love one because I mean, I'm even here. Oftentimes these interviews make me question my own self-care or my own CF examinations. And I can't tell you the last time that I've did a self breast exam on myself. And I also know that I have a history of, of sexual trauma. I'm very open about that on the show. And the, um, many, many, many years, I could not look at myself topless in the mirror. And that's a reality for a lot of trauma survivors. And the idea of watching myself touch my own breasts, something that is absolutely beautiful and normal. And I'm so grateful I'm capable of doing that today without having a, a flashback or something terrible, um, feeling inside. I would be much more inclined even today as I am, you know, in my recovery phase and feeling empowered in my body, I would still prefer that over using my, my hands because it's not, you know, self-exam isn't just like a nice soft caress. You're supposed to be like poking and like kind of like actually grabbing a little bit. Um, and so I know I personally would really love to use that instead. Is this something that's available yet in the market? So the selfie is not yet available. We're hoping for it to be available sometime next year or in 2025. We're working on the FDA clearance for this. Um, the eye breast exam is FDA cleared. Oh my goodness. That's And amazing. it's already in 12 countries. So we're, and, and in the United States. So we're continually, you know, hoping to work with um, pharmacies, newer clinics like Tia Clinic and Parsley Health, um, federally qualified health systems in order to get it out to the masses. But yeah. you bring up a really good point, Brittany, and, um, and I appreciate you talking about the sexual trauma. Uh, that takes a lot of, um, bravery to even just say it out there. Um, we have thought about this and our, our newest addition to our physician advisory board, Dr. Aditi Hazara, she's an assistant professor at Harvard. She recently mentioned this to us as well, specifically what you just said. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just had a conversation about it last week. And she said to me, um, that's me that this is, this device is wonderful for, for that population. So yep. um, we also have, you know, women, uh, you know, LGBTQ plus, yep. you know, those communities as well. And we want to be very mindful because women are women, however they're defined, um, and we want to be able to have this tool accessible to everyone so that they're comfortable in examining their breasts, period. Yeah. And even yeah. for men, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, so many reasons that one could be uncomfortable touching their own body, which is unfortunate, but there's 
there's empowerment and technology. And I, I love that you guys are providing that. Do you find um, that doctors are very, you know, excited about this? Are you finding some barriers? And I'm asking this question more so for our femtech founders that are listening that may actually be finding that they've gotten FDA clearance or got a billing code and they go to the doctors and there's still kind of like adversity to getting them to actually adopt the new tech. So um, I, and this is just a topic I've been talking about a lot. So I'd love to know, and you're the VP of partnership. So what has been your experience in terms of that conversion? Are doctors excited to take this on or they have worries or tell us about that? So in, I'll just tell you, globally, they are very excited. (laughs) And (laughs) we are very successful in major hospitals globally, in um, nonprofits globally, governments, uh, even the military in the United States. We have insurance everywhere, right? So that's been uh, an uphill battle for us. Mm. So we have um, partnered with the American Cancer Society. They're assisting us with, you know, introductions to insurance companies to see how we can get this covered. Mm. There is a CPT code. However, currently, eye breast exam is not covered. It's been mentioned in um, documents in, in insurance companies. But again, it's a work in progress. So obviously, this is a little bit of a hurdle for hospital systems to adopt eye breast exam. Yeah. There is a self-pay option. There's a sweet spot that we've seen. Uh, it's anywhere between from $25 to $45 that women will pay. But again, hospital systems want the insurance coverage. Yeah. And so when I go to get my self, self, not self, excuse me, when I go to a breast exam, when I go to my annual wellness woman, are they able to bill for that? Or are they just must, you know, checking my breasts out of the like standard operating protocol? They don't actually earn billing me for that. So currently they're not able to bill for eye breast exam. Uh That's what we're working on. Yeah. And so what we've done now is we have for eye breast exam, we're actively working in the United States with um, underserved areas. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're trying to see how we can get our, you know, the price, the right price for the underserved area so that at least we could get it out to the masses. Mm-hmm. We're working with um, nonprofits to do this as well. So our goal, while we want to get eye breast exam into larger health systems, we also want to be able to do what we're doing globally. We want to be able to do that in the United States. So we have decided to to also simultaneously do that while we are working on getting the insurance. Yeah, he's taken care of. And it's so crazy because would an insurance be inclined to pay a very very small fee for this for catching breast cancer very early versus covering the cost of treating breast cancer? I have the same thought process, right? Why? I mean, if you have a hundred women. Why not filter them and get the five women that actually have or showing some indication of a finding so that you can push them through to get a mammo and then release the rest? Mm-hmm. So I feel the burden in our health system would also be reduced greatly. The burden on our physicians would be reduced greatly. Um, so these are, I mean, th- this is common sense. Yeah. Yeah. We really don't need numbers for it, but, um, if for some reason, um, this particular 
uh, point falls on deaf ears, I feel many times. Yeah. Yeah. And does it work for dense breasts as well? Yeah. So one of the things that this really is good for is dense breasts. And um, we really encourage this device for that because you know you have dense breasts. I mean, I knew I have dense breasts and I knew that in my 20s. My father was an interventional radiologist. He used to tell me all the time, go get a mammo, go get a mammo, go get a mammo. But that fell on deaf ears. But if I, if he gave me this little device or if he gave me this selfie, mm-hmm. you know, I would probably try to figure it out or try to understand this device and learn it. Um, because I do have dense breasts and this would absolutely, you know, all you have to do is place it on the tissue and the sensor would detect a finding. Yeah. And is this helpful for patients? Cause I know that sometimes women may feel something, they go to the doctors and it's almost like they can't find it again. And then there's anxiety and then there's medical gaslighting where the doctor's like, are you sure? I'm not sure. You'd probably just felt something. Is this something that is actually, and we see this a lot with a lot of femtech companies is one of the um, benefits to it is empowering the patient to go to their physician with data that says, Hey, look at this, you know, recording I did my hormone tracking or whatever. Is this something that women, could could use that for? Yeah, because it has, you know, the report will show there's a finding. So we recently um, met with Mema, who is a, uh, she's, she started this nonprofit organization called Tiger Lily Foundation. Such a powerful woman, a force. And she had a story, a similar story where she uh, knew her breasts. And so she felt different and she went to her physician and they just kind of said, no, 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 it's fine. There's nothing. And she insisted and it was something. Wow. And now she's a survivor. So this does happen. And she's, you know, she, we we introduced her to these devices and she was floored. So this is, this is a reality and it could be more of a reality for more women if they were more aware. Yeah. So, it works in reverse. We are educating our physicians on our own bodies because you as my physician don't know my body unless I come to you every single month, which I may or may not mm-hmm. because the, the clinical breast exam is no longer being recommended. That's another story. Uh, but at least we we really want the woman to take that into her own hands and be able to say, okay, I know my body and I see something different. And there is a lump or there is something here and you need to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I noticed on your site, you have a campaign coming up called One Balloon, One Life. Can you tell us more about that? So One Balloon, One Life is a very exciting campaign for us and we want it to go viral. We want this to be uh, something we do every year and to reach as many women as possible everywhere around the world. So basically what this campaign does is we're encouraging women to take a picture with a pink balloon and post it on social media, hashtag one balloon, one life for every picture of a pink balloon that we get, we will offer a cervical and breast exam to a woman. Wow. That's why it's one life. I mean, really we're partnering with nonprofits. Um, We have a nonprofit in India, Malaysia, and in the United States and October 1st, actually, our campaign is going to, it's a, just a, a few days delayed, but it's going to start this week. Mm-hmm. And we're going to count all the, all the balloons by October 31st. 
And say we get 10,000, hopefully it'll be 100,000. And that's how many exams we're going to give. I love it. And how are you going to, you said you're partnered with nonprofit. So you'll essentially make like a donation or something that covers the equivalent of, a, of an exam for a woman. Yeah. And, and we're provided yeah. under cost or at cost, but it'll all be, you know, our, our devices and our um, manpower. Yes, absolutely. Our training. You actually, you know, in the beginning of this interview mentioned that you have a cervical cancer test as well. Do you want to tell us briefly about that as well? Yeah. So the the cervical cancer test is called cervical. And essentially, um, the other thing we found out with cervical exams is um, that's a big issue also in developing countries. Mm -hmm. So cervical essentially is an AI driven colposcope. So for women, you know, who right now colposcopes are these big things that, you know, you have to um, deal with and you can't really manipulate the data as much. So this particular device will attach to a physician's cell phone. It's like a little camera. Wow. And um, it will just be easier and more. Uh, accurate than your current colposcope. Well, I just Google imaged a uh, colposcope because I feel like I knew what it was, but I actually didn't. And it says that it's a a diagnostic procedure to visually examine the cervix as well as the vagina and vulva using a colonoscope. Numbing should be requested prior to the procedure. So it sounds like it's a big deal with this big machine. And I'm seeing this image. It looks like a very uh, awkward microscope that is positioned inside the vagina. And um, some has like a little handle and like little eye pockets for the doctor to look through. And then I guess they just kind of examine in. I can't imagine Imagine that that is, um, I mean, an AI driven one is probably way smarter than uh, just your eyeballs looking into the vagina with a, a flashlight and a microscope, right? Yeah, it is. And uh, this one is, is uh, we're, we're really proud of this one because um, I think we're going to really be able to do make a difference, not only in developing countries, but in the United States as well. When they visualize it, um, what happens after that? So um, there's a high resolution image and AI detects whether or not you have the virus. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Google imaging. This is kind of hilarious. They have some like doctors that are like two feet away from the woman's vagina with this microscope. I'm like, that's not even how microscopes work. (laughs) I'm waiting for when we can eliminate the pap smear, which I, you know, is not even in the standard anymore. So that's a, that's good news. Yeah. Um, but wow. Well, this has been so exciting. Um, what is next for, uh, UE life sciences? So our goal is to be able to reach as many women as possible and make an impact and just completely disrupt, uh, women's healthcare. We want, um, you know, early detection to be a standard. We want, women to be able to um, get their mammos before the age of 40. We want, um, we want women's healthcare and women's testing to be, um, you could just walk in and be able to get this done. I mean, right now we, we walk in and we get a flu shot, something we weren't be, we weren't able to do years ago. Remember it was 
to me, it was very awkward to walk into a target and get a flu shot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now what our goal is to be able to partner with pharmacies like CVS, Rite Aid, Amazon Health, and make women's health a normal thing. Like just walk in and be able to get a breast exam with breast cancer so prevalent and the number one cancer among women. Why isn't this happening? That's right. So we're trying to find disruptive ways where we can get this done, whether it be partnering with, you know, clinics, like I mentioned, Tia Parsley, who actually are in the women's health space. Mm -hmm. If you look at their uh, offices there, they look like hotel rooms, Mm -hmm. hotel uh, lobbies. They don't look like clinics, right? So we want women's... um, women's health to be fun, exciting. A woman should be able to say, okay, well, insurance isn't covering this, which honestly, hopefully it will be at that yeah. point. But if if it's not, I want to be able to save up, you know, $50 a month, you know, for five months instead of buying my designer handbag, I want to be able to get my mom or I want to be able to, you know, get my exam. That's how exciting and fun it should be. Yeah. It's almost like we should... um uh, like, you know, how they have different traditions, like they have your quinceanera, we have, you know, your sweet 16, we have, um, your, uh, just different, different, like coming of age celebrations. It's like the, the, the selfie should be something that's given to, you know, young women as they come of age is like part of almost like a, a bestowing down, like, and now here's your new womanhood, you know, device. Oh, that's actually fabulous. And that's how, (laughs) how, how fun would that be? Because you're making it exciting. Yeah. And you're you're normalizing it because that's what the whole thing is about. It's about becoming a woman, right? Like it's about you coming of age. And so like, why not talk about what that really means? Like getting pregnant, uh, having your period breast exams. Like these are things that you now need to worry about that you're you know, or not worry about, but, but being you know, excited was, about, no, but yeah. you know, before it was that, but now well, yeah. we can be excited about it yep, because exactly. you know, if you think about it, our, our period is what keeps us young. If you think about it, yeah. So that's why a doctor once told me, Sweetie, don't worry. You know, you, you want this. <laughs> Your period, like, I don't know. You, I'm yes, fine either that. way. <laughs> you know, I, I will age recently. I'm fine with that, <laughs> but, but we should be aware of what's happening yes. to our bodies. That's yes. the point. I mean, in my mind, I hopefully, uh, some years from now, we'll be sitting down and talking about how this has actually happened, like a mammal cafe, yeah. you know, where we go in and I get my nails done and I get a cup of coffee while I'm waiting for my mammo. And then yeah. I go get my mammo, you know, because I'll get my girlfriend with me and we'll make a make a fun day out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe get a foot massage. It has to we, we have to associate breast health with fun yeah. and excitement and also make women understand why it is that they need to get checked. Yeah. Right. Because if we think about it, if, if I didn't, if I, if I didn't have healthy breasts, I would have to deal with going to the physician a lot more than I would if I just did my checkups on a regular basis. That's right. And I think all women can attest to not wanting to have to go to the doctors as often because we're too damn busy for it. So we're how so can busy. we elevate it? But Brittany, you know, ever since my sister passed, I'll tell you, I used to get stressed out that I have to go to the physician again. Now I have to do my six month because every six months I have to do something. I have to do an ultrasound or a mammo, and then more than likely they're going to do a biopsy. Mm -hmm. 
on me. Usually it's every year because they find something. But I've told myself now that I'm just going to make it a, a, a fun trip. Yeah. That's it. I'm Yes, it's true that my work is flexible, so it allows me to do that. And that's another thing, you know, mm. to talk about is how can we get, um, you know, people, how can we get employers to understand that this is something of value because you do want your women to get tax tested? Yeah, that's right. Because if you don't, they're not coming to work. That's right. For a lot longer. It's like blood drives at work, but instead it's breast exam drives. Oh, I love that. Right. And we can write that down right now. (laughs) You could, we could use your device because they can't necessarily uh, bring the mammoths. Sometimes they do that on the buses and stuff, but like, wouldn't this be so much easier? Yeah. And, you know, some companies do have that. And uh, we were dabbling into that a little bit at the very beginning when we first entered the United States last year. Uh, We were looking into partnering with companies to get their, um, their employees exams. And we're still open to that, by the way. Cool. Call her up, y'all. Give her a call. I know. I <laughs> Let's do, do a campaign. Yeah. yeah. Well, Samita, this has been such an interesting conversation. I can't wait to get my selfie and uh, use it. I'm so excited. I'm also going to be posting my pink balloon, one balloon, one life. Hashtag love that. Um, yes. Let's wrap up this interview with just a, a comment from you on what do you think the women's health industry needs the most right now in order to be successful? And, um, you know, you can take it in terms of like from a startup point of view, what is the thing that could really move the needle and or from a cultural standpoint, what's the thing that we need the most to ad- advance our women's health care? OK, so I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I'm going to try to summarize as much as possible. <laughs> Um, so we already talked about, you know, trying to make it fun and exciting. And I think that, you know, hospital systems and companies such as ourselves, um, you know, profit for-profit companies, we have a responsibility to make sure women understand and realize the value of taking care of their health, mm-hmm. uh, breast health in particular. Um, so I think that's a huge undertaking, but I think, you know, podcasts like these, really make a difference in that respect because, you know, it's easier for, I guess, for people to, to hear it when, um, somebody who has been close to a survivor or has been a survivor says it right. Because you live it. Um, I think that again, partnering with these clinics that already are in the women's space is super important. So, um, making sure that, People and organizations who have the same or similar goals get together and they become the bigger they become, the better they become. Mm. So that part that those partnerships need to happen um, on a consistent basis. And also, I think from the ground up, women themselves need to keep the talks alive, the chatter alive, you know, more at a grassroots level. Um, We need to understand you know, also this is, this is actually close to my heart. Like what are these guidelines? Who's making these guidelines? Mm-hmm. And I, again, this is an uphill battle, but it needs to be addressed. You know, the, the U S preventative T- uh, services task force gu- guidelines, you know, there's four women who sit on that task force of the 16 out of 16. Wow. Four women. Yeah. So, okay. So how do we make this change? So I, I just realized you can actually, um, 
you can recommend who you want. So I think you can vote to see who you want. Uh, Look, you have to understand for me, this space is relatively new, right? I came into this space because of my sister. So I am now starting to actually see things which may be common knowledge to to normal people. But to me, this was just crazy. So now I have a bunch of people I want to recommend. (laughs) Uh, But so I think that's, again, an uphill battle, but it needs Mm -hmm. to be thought out um, that why are these men making decisions for women? It should be women. It should be survivors. It should be potentially families of survivors, you know, things like that. So um, again, women understanding their uh, breast density. That's one actually that I wanted to mention to you that a lot of women don't understand what are dense breasts? What the hell is this stuff? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. It needs to be part of their um, report. And I think some uh, states are now doing it. They're, they are, it's mandatory to have the breast density on their reports, but it should be every state. It should be, you know, women should be able to self-refer mm. their mammo and say, I think I need a mammo. Yeah. Um, so many things need to happen. But I think to summarize, it's making it fun, making women more aware, partnering with, um, you know, larger organizations and nonprofits together, and just understanding the value of breast health and how finding it sooner can actually help save communities. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much for the work you do. I cannot wait to get my selfie and use it myself. And I can't wait to see you in every clinic. I definitely see this as a a revolutionary way to supplement that, you know, the exam before the mammo, um, something that's much more accessible, especially to women in underserved or rural communities. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much for this great interview. Brittany, thank you so much. It's really been an honor. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my interview with Samira Asrani, VP of Partnerships at UE Life Sciences. Learn more about UE Life Sciences breast and cervical cancer detection devices at www.uelifesciences.com. Okay, fem fans, it's time to get engaged. If you love the show, then you'll definitely enjoy reading our weekly newsletter. Subscribe at femhealthinsights.com. While there, you can also join our virtual community, which has over 1,000 femtech founders, investors, and advisors you can get insights and feedback from. We have an active events calendar, jobs board, and much more. Please give our social channels for Femtech Focus and Fem Health Insights a follow. The links are in the show notes. And don't forget, sharing is caring. Send this show to a friend or colleague and keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.